we're back. We are back. Okay. On today's episode, we're speaking with Dr. Jonathan Kroll and Dr. Trisha Teig. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Kroll is the founder and executive director of the Leadership Trainer, which we'll hear um, a good amount today about what they do and, and kind of what their charge is. And Dr. Trisha Teig is a teaching assistant professor at the University of Denver, working directly with leadership programs, um, some really fascinating leadership programs too, um, if y'all are looking for other places there too. And today we're going to talk a lot about how we train and prepare leadership educators. What is the field of especially higher ed and student affairs doing around that? Um, but what are we doing for leadership educators? So do you want to tell us, Mel, what, what you're excited about the conversation today and, and what you're hoping we get out of it? Yeah, yeah. So Trisha and Jonathan are doing some it, along with other colleagues that um, have joined us for the podcast before and <laughs> that you may know of, right? They're doing a really wonderful research project where they're interviewing um, faculty members of higher ed and student affairs graduate preparation programs about the presence or not of leadership coursework and leadership educator preparation coursework in the context of those grad prep programs. Um, and so you'll definitely hear all the ins and outs about their, their research, both the current study and previous work that they and their colleagues have done. But this is a really important topic because when we talk about, especially for listeners out there who are all coming from a higher ed student affairs background for the most part, and often find yourselves doing leadership education work, whether or not you feel like you were prepared to do it, um, this, is, this is an important conversation for us not just about our own kind of professional identities and how we prepare ourselves, but about the importance of setting kind of a, a standard in our field for preparing people to do leadership education work. So I'm so thrilled that that y'all are going to get to hear uh, from Trisha and Jonathan today. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Yeah. And I would say last thing, I, we didn't mention this um, at the, at, you know, when we were in there, but I think uh, knowing both of them, if this is an episode that excites you and this conversation excites you, I know that they're both very quick on their email and happy to engage in conversation in whatever capacity that you're excited okay. about this work too. So if you are someone doing the work or want to be someone doing the work um, or just fascinated by the conversation, I would say definitely reach out to them. They're both uh, really excited about the topic and wanting to share with the community as well. So enjoy, enjoy. Jonathan and Trisha. We are so excited to have Trisha and Jonathan here with us today. We'll give them a chance to introduce themselves here um, and chat a little bit about their work. So um, Trisha, Jonathan, which of you want to dive in first? We've got some questions for you here. Would love to know more about you. I can jump in. Hi, my name is Dr. Trisha Teig. I am a teaching assistant professor at the University of Denver and also the faculty director for the Colorado Women's College Leadership Scholars Program, which is a leadership studies minor for first-generation college students, students of color, and LBGTQ-identified students. And I'm Jonathan Kroll, former student affairs educator, former program director, and assistant teaching professor of the Professional Leadership Studies Program at the University of Rhode Island, and current founder and executive director of Leadership Trainer. Awesome. Maybe to like kick us off, tell us a little bit about how you personally maybe are a leadership educator um, and even maybe like how you how you got here. We've been using the the phrase like origin stories on the on the podcast recently from like, you know, superhero. Like what is kind of your leadership educator origin story in kind of a brief, maybe summarized version? The, the summary question, I think, is maybe the hardest part there. And uh, <laughs> 
Totally. I got to practice this yesterday because I was uh, in an interview for a, a person's dissertation. So I have done this recently, but basically I am the, um, I don't know, quintessential storyline of a student affairs person who uh, really recognized that leadership education was was my space. And as my partner and I like to joke about, I turned to the dark side and became a faculty member after being a student <laughs> professional for nine years. Uh, and so in the the nine years of of being in student affairs, I never had a direct role of, of, of leadership education, um, at least not as my sole responsibility. But I kept finding myself putting myself in the space of a leadership educator in literally every single place. Like if I was a hall director, but I would be trying to teach things on the side uh, at the institution I was at, or um, whenever I was an assistant dean of students, I also just developed an entire co-curricular leadership program that was kind of more curricular. The students that were in that program, I still think back on it. I'm like, I was really just asking them to do a class with no credit. (laughs) (laughs) So I just, over years and years and years, uh, recognize that the main thing that uh, gave me life and excitement uh, and depth of of understanding in higher education was supporting students in their exploration of leadership identity um, and leadership work. And so, finally, had a you know moment of recognition that maybe I should just be doing that full time. So that's that's what led me to be a faculty member in the space. Yes, and I'm over here like vigorously nodding my head in affirmation. <laughs> For that All story. Of our, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody can see it on the podcast, but I mean, I, I think for a lot of us, that's a, a similar story and, and trajectory. And and I'll share as as my publicist says, I should always be plugging my book. And so if you want the whole story of my leadership educator uh, identity process, check out preparing leadership educators. Yeah. But for me, really, it came to the when I was on a semester at Sea Voyage in the fall of 2012, and that follows over a decade of being a formal student affairs educator in residence life and doing like the leadership things on campus. And this was at the time in the fall of 2012 when the U.S. ambassador to Libya was assassinated. And so our voyage was supposed to be in North Africa and the U.S. State Department said, Americans shouldn't go. And so Semester at Sea decided to change our voyage from going to Morocco to the Canary Islands. And with Semester at Sea, there's lots and lots and lots of excursions and learning opportunities and adventure programs and things that students and faculty and staff can register for in advance of the voyage. And these things are like planned out a year in advance. And so on short notice, when we were going to the Canary Islands, there were no excursions. And so me and the the dean of students for our voyage, Lisa Slavid, and I, in like a day's time, created a half-day leadership retreat with no materials, like no incentives, <laughs> no food, no extra mm-hmm. credit, uh, and, and no location. So we like looked on Google Maps and found like, a courtyard uh, in the plaza, and we had an incredible half-day retreat with about 12 students uh, and really created a memorable impactful leadership learning experiences. So for me, that was the moment where I identified formally as a leadership educator. And that followed a decade of facilitating leadership trainings and playing with leadership learning and development with students and crafting experiences. But because of, I think, my ability at that time to to do something spur of the moment 
uh, and and develop and facilitate a high impact experience. That that's when I began to own that identity. And then I think in terms of you know who is or what is a leadership educator, I think we need to have knowledge and skills in in four domains. One, we have to have an understanding of the leadership scholarship, the theoretical foundations of leadership. I think that's really important. I think we need to practice leadership effectively. I think we need to really hone the skills to be effective leaders because a lot of what we do as leadership educators is to model good, healthy habits of leadership. I really think we need to have facilitation skills so that we can develop the skills and capacities of our students or our participants. And then most importantly, we have to engage in identity exploration. We have to understand who we are, our positionality, our power, our privilege, and how we bring ourselves into our training and development, our leadership educator space and contexts. Wonderful. We're going to take a quick musical break, and then we'll be back with some questions for both of our guests. Okay. So Jonathan, you started to hit on this a little bit, and I think it's it's really important. And I think as Melissa and I were talking about the importance of this specific episode, it's trying to figure out, you know, the whole season is about leadership and context, right? How do we do this work? What are the different contexts that we do this work in? Um, but we also acknowledge we're a student affairs podcast, right? Based on a student affairs organization and really thinking about as a foundational moment, like who is a leadership educator? What is their role and responsibility? And how do we see training and preparation for leadership educators happening within our field of higher education student affairs? So I know it's like a three-barreled question, but um, who who are these people, right? And what are they doing? And and why are they so important, really? I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the question a little bit because uh, I want to root it in some data from a study that we've just conducted over the summer of 2023, uh, which was a qualitative exploration of leadership educator preparation. And so Trisha and I, in a, in a collaboration of other leadership educators and scholars, wanted to better understand this. And mm-hmm. we, we interviewed 20 faculty members, program directors, program coordinators of master's level student affairs programs. And the first question we asked them was, who is a leadership educator? <laughs> and what's so fascinating, and I think what, what highlights the importance of continuing to have this conversation and for all of us to do this work, is that there are wildly different understandings of who a leadership educator is from the voices of people who are developing leadership educators. <laughs> and so for one example, uh, leadership educators are connected to leadership and, and leadership education in the way that we're describing it. Uh, and so, and I can share a couple quotes. Um, one is, I think there's a very straightforward, typical answer of someone who works to help others in enhancing their leadership capacity. And another is a leadership educator, is someone whose focus is to bring out the leadership lessons and leadership development themes within educational experiences and environments. That's very different from other responses of these interviewees, where they think it's connected to an office or role, 
those who work in a leadership specific office, they run leadership service projects uh, or, you know, do leadership programming in a very, very formal sense. And then there are folks who think that leadership educators are the faculty of the student affairs, higher education, college student personnel, master's programs, not the practitioners on the ground doing leadership work. And so I think that is very, very interesting for us as we think about who is leadership, who are leadership educators based on what these faculty and program directors are saying, and then the influences that they have in our programs as we develop budding leadership educators for professional practice in the field. And I just to to kind of connect with what Jonathan's saying, first of all, really, we're really excited about this new research. So we want to talk mm-hmm. about it, but also yeah. to kind of pull back to the historical conversation, the the question who is a leadership educator is a hundred percent why Jonathan and I have been pairing together for a while, why a whole bunch of other people have been asking this question. Um, Corey C. Miller and Carrie Priest have have studied this from the the concept of how are you building this identity as a leadership educator? Um, Dan Jenkins has asked that, and Julie Owen have asked the question about, you know, what are the demographics? What's the breakdown? Who's even doing this work? Mm-hmm. Um, and and all of those questions, including uh, past research that, that Jonathan and I have done that we can get into in more depth, are really trying to get at this focused question. And the reason we're trying to get at it is because it's really unclear in student affairs higher education. Even though we do this work all the time, and it's an expectation of pretty much every single student affairs professional, um, we have no distinct direction from our guiding documents in the field about exactly what a leadership educator is and what we are supposed to be doing. And so I think that's the reason the question is, is keeps arising. This, this conversation, any of the literature I've just cited goes back to, you know, 2012. And, and, and we've been asking this question for a minute and we're still not in a place of, of having that defined. And I think part of that is because we haven't really clarified the main problem, which is we keep expecting people to do stuff, but we're not actually preparing them um, on how to do it or or supporting them in developing that identity, right? Um, part of the process of developing an identity where you feel like you have capacity to um, develop leadership in others is to be trained in it, to have moments where you think about it for yourself um, and have practice moments. So you can have, um, you can feel more comfortable doing that rather than just getting thrown into the deep end, which is what happens with a vast majority of student affairs professionals. Um, It's like, well, uh, we need, you know, you're a resident assistant and we have a whole bunch of RAs and you need to train them on leadership. Go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Yeah. Well, I think this gets back to, even just what you had shared, Trisha, about your origin story is so, so many of us that identify maybe as student affairs educators or coming up through kind of a higher ed admin pathway, mm-hmm. a non-faculty pathway, we often find ourselves in spaces where we are asked to, to do the leadership program or to create the leadership training. And it doesn't matter as much as we want to point at certain people or certain offices or certain parts of the field that are designated for leadership educators. And for those, those who aren't seeing our faces right now, I'm like drawing a box with my fingers, mm-hmm. right? Like it's easier to train and create guiding documents for something that you can draw a box around and point at it. Mm-hmm. But leadership exists everywhere. And so 
when we start to think about who touches the responsibility of training and preparing leaders or providing leadership education, guess what? No matter where you try to draw that box, there are going to be people outside of it. So we like this starts to get into this notion of the both the beauty, I think, of leadership education and how it spans so many different spaces, but also the challenges that arise because of that, right? Yeah. I think, Mel, on that note, when Trisha's talking and you're talking as well, I'm thinking about, um, like many folks, I my first ever kind of formal leadership educator course was with Dr. Kathy Guthrie at Florida State University, um, which I know Trisha has touched that course extensively too. But, you know, a big part of what that course is really grounded in is that everyone can and should be a leadership educator in this field, right? At least in higher ed student affairs, we should all be familiar enough to do this work that when you get tapped like Jonathan did and said like, hey, make a half day leadership training. You have enough knowledge to ground this in a real like leadership framework, right? Um, but I don't want that. I, and I think about it often of like, yes, and when people are not doing the work to like Jonathan said, like the first tenant, right? Like knowing the knowledge and the content and the frameworks and, and the real philosophical groundings of this field, then I don't want that to discredit the folks that are doing the good work to say like, oh, everyone in student affairs is a leadership educator. Like, yes, and- there still is some intention, right, that has to be grounded in this. And I think it's why it's so hard to name it and frame it and put the, like Melissa said, the box around it, because it is like you have to still do the work. And as you all, I'm sure we'll talk about the training that's not there and the <laughs> preparation that's not there in our field, because it is we don't have the guiding documents. I think about often with the NASPA and ACBA competencies or the CAS standards, the way that they're talking about leadership is not always the way that we are. And I had worked previously in a career center and NACE sure isn't talking about leadership the way that we are, right? And these standards that we use to guide the bigger areas of higher education and student affairs are not always aligned. Um, and even thinking about if you go to higher ed jobs right now and search for leadership faculty, you will find educational leadership, right? You will find people that are trading principles, which we need and is wonderful, but are very different than, again, the way that we're talking about leadership educators too. Yeah, Brittany, I really want to echo that. You know, I think I have a lot of caution with broadly student affairs educators, uh, naming themselves or being named as leadership educators, because as a field, particularly rooted in our professional associations and our ACPA NASPA competencies, they're not focused on leadership education. The, the competency itself, as it stands now, and, and mm -hmm. we are in the midst of a revision to the ACPA NASPA Which is amazing, yes. Th that it's focused on how to be a better leader, for the field, which, mm -hmm. and for our practice, which is important, right? We, we need mm -hmm. uh, leadership skills to perform well, to perform effectively in our roles. And if we're going to be leadership educators, we also need to focus on the competencies for developing the leadership skills and capacities of others, which right now is not at all an emphasis within those competencies. And so I'm hoping that with the new competencies, either leadership educator components are added to the leadership competency, whatever that means it looks like, or mm -hmm. it becomes a separate uh, compelling opportunity for student affairs practitioners to focus on their leadership educator identity and practice. Well, mm -hmm. I think so often we talk about leadership educator as as faculty, staff member teaching students, right? But we know that so much of leadership education is peer-to-peer, -peer, right? Colleague to colleague, managing up <laughs> as many people in the field have to do, right? And being able to share this um, in many ways. So 
I, yeah, Jonathan, I agree. And I think oftentimes when you're submitting your NASPA ACPA proposals and it says like which competencies your program aligned with, well, I'm like, we're student learning and development. We're also like values and philosophy of the field, but we're also leadership and we're doing some social justice and inclusion work. And like, where are we? Right. And in beautiful ways, I think we're in many spaces, but also again, when you try to put some validity and backing to a very large field about how important our work is, it sometimes gets challenging. I just from something you just said, and also uh, in Jonathan's first response, I really want to nod to one of the competencies in uh, social justice, diversity, education, and understanding our own identities is integrally interwoven to our current conversation about what leadership educators should be doing, what is in leadership Mm -hmm. education as a profession. And that really aligns with student affairs, higher education too. So um, I think that that's a a space as well when we're thinking about training and preparation. I'd love to talk about more that this is absolutely anyone who's doing leadership education in the moment, hopefully is also doing it from a social justice lens, from an equity lens. And how are we seeing how that can be in alignment with with what's happening in, in training and preparation for these higher ed student affairs programs as well. So, and I'm, I'm excited about what our, um, our data is from, from the current study that, that Jonathan's talking about too. Well, I would love to talk with you a little bit more specifically about the study that you're doing right now. Um, and I, if, if there's some historical background about the, some of the other, other pieces or other research that you all have done on this, please feel free to share, but you know, what is it exactly that you're looking at in this study and what problem or gap are you trying to maybe better understand or learn how to better fill? Um, let's talk a little bit maybe about the details of the current study. Yeah. So to, to talk about the current study, it's really rooted in a study that I conducted in 2020 with a graduate research assistant, which was a content and thematic analysis. And so I wanted to understand back then what is happening with our leadership courses within student affairs programs, master's level programs. And so looked at based on the NASPA registry of master's programs, 217 programs based on publicly available information like website course descriptions or course catalog details, which we know there's uh, sometimes a delay of what is actually happening on campus compared to what's happening on the internet. Uh, But with that, we found that almost 60% of our master's programs, 57% do not require students to take a leadership course. It's either not offered at all, or it's only offered as part of a track or a specialization. Mm -hmm. And so we have many, 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 many graduate students entering the field as professionals, not having taken a leadership course, yet their institutions and their supervisors and their students expect them to serve as this leadership educator on campus. And so based on that data, I wanted to sort of follow up and get a better understanding of what is happening in these leadership courses if they're offered in our programs. Uh, And so put out a call uh, for a research collaboration and, and then we're able to connect with 20 faculty members, program directors, program coordinators to ask the question around what does educator leadership educator preparation look like in your program, in your courses, and uh, in the field as a whole? And I, I think my my uh, 
grounding to this, I really like how you just did that, Jonathan, to the current project, which I got invited into by uh, by Jonathan and, and the team he had already put together, um, is I, I did my dissertation on this topic in 2018, and it was really, so it was a qualitative study of just understanding how graduate students in a specific program experienced a leadership education course and what that meant for their leadership education or leadership educator identity growth. And um, to, because I was asking the question of why aren't we doing this, this feels really like a huge gap in, in our preparation of folks going out into the field. And so I, I remember when I met you, Jonathan, I don't know if you remember this, it was at an ILA, I can't remember where we were, but um, I remember I was like, oh my gosh, your study is absolutely what I was wanting to have happen, but didn't have the capacity to do both whenever I was doing this mm-hmm. dissertation. I, and we just geeked out for, you know, a good, I don't even know, hour on um, on why we were excited about this mm-hmm. topic and what what the work still needed to be done. And so this current study is really informed by those those two past studies and other work that both of us has done and other other folks um, who are on our team or or in in the the field have already done. And I really think uh, my excitement for this study is in exactly what Jonathan was talking about of now that we have a better sense of what is out there in terms of what's being offered in master's programs and the curriculum, and now that we have a, a sense of what is a, a graduate student's journey when they do get access to leadership education, what does this look like for the folks who are actually running these programs, who are making decisions about curriculum? And understand why they're making the decisions they are, because some of it, you know, it's a capacity issue. Um, You only have so much time and space. Student affairs master's programs are two years, right? And in that two years, Mm -hmm. you've got to cram a whole lot of of experiences and information uh, into your curriculum. And so I I totally uh, understand maybe why this hasn't been as much of a focus, because there's so many things that do need to be in there. And I am deeply excited by the data that's coming out because I think we need to understand where folks are from across the board. So, so the, the people that are in this study are in programs who some may be offering a leadership class, but it's, you know, a, a kind of as a side offering some folks, the program requires this. So we've got kind of a mix. And um, Jonathan, you can speak to this way more than me, but I know we already have some preliminary information of even in doing the interview process, these program administrators were reflecting on, oh, maybe we should have more (laughs) content (laughs) that prepares people for leadership education. So if nothing else, that's really exciting (laughs) to hear. Two birds, one stone, right? You get the data and you can have a little lesson in the middle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think there, you know, there's three major themes that, that, and the data is still fresh. And so we got to dig in a little bit deeper, but one is, how wildly different we think about leadership education across the field, particularly for those who have such significant uh, influence in our master's program curricula and courses and preparation for our master's students. Second, the ACPA NASPA competency piece uh, and how important it is, especially as the competency suggests that that foundational level competency across all the competencies, and including the leadership one, should be approached and engaged at these master level uh, programs. Uh, And so if that continues to stay focused on just our own practice as leaders, 
then we're not going to be moving in the direction of developing the leadership educator uh, capacity and competency for our master students. And then the last piece is how uh, humbling and rewarding it was to hear these faculty and program directors share about, oh, well, maybe we need to have a revision and focus on leadership educator uh, development and that it was awakening for them as I'm asking the question, what's the difference between a leader and a leadership educator? How are you preparing your students to be a leader, a leadership educator, both or neither? Uh, and then for them to, to share, well, actually, we, we need to focus on this leadership educator piece because it's not part of our program or curriculum at the moment. Well, what you all are talking about has me thinking about another question, and this probably is in the scope of your current research, but would be fascinating to figure out. And I think Melissa and I actually have a, we've got an episode coming out early next year on some of this topic, but how are then grad students finding their way to leadership education as a field and discipline, right? Because so few of them are getting access in their master's programs to learning about what this work looks like um, and seeing the more formalized trainings, right? Actually learning our conceptual frameworks and our pedagogical approaches and all of these important things. So really thinking about how we're getting people there, are they just kind of stumbling into the coordinator level roles, right? As, as many people have in the past and have shared um, are they finding classes? Are they finding a great session at an ASPA and kind of getting bit by the bug, right? Like what What are the ways that people are finding it if the current data is showing that our field is not necessarily making space in their formal preparation? And I say formal with quotes, but the formal preparation of these programs isn't doing it. So how else are they finding their ways there? Is it the GAs? Is it the internships? Is it going to conferences? Like how are they finding this space? I, I know... Um... Uh, Dan Jenkins and, and Julie Owen, and this was this is now a, a, a little bit ago that that some of their work came out. Mm -hmm. um, it also, isn't just focused on student affairs and higher ed, but um, we definitely have had a, a dipped our little toe into asking that question. <laughs> but I absolutely agree, Brittany. I, mm -hmm. I think we don't have, at least that I'm aware of, um, data, especially in the student affairs higher ed space of how people find themselves there. Mm -hmm. um, but what I will pull in, because this is where my brain went when you were asking the question was, um, some of it is, do you feel like you can claim that identity? Do you feel mm -hmm. comfortable enough in that role that you then start talking about like Jonathan's story of this was the moment when I said, I am a leadership educator, right? Um, because I, that is a wild story, by the way, Jonathan, <laughs> because we had to throw some together and we made it happen and it was amazing, right? Um, and it, one of the things that was uh, out of out of my dissertation study, which I deeply appreciate that this podcast made me go back and just look because it's been a minute, um, and uh, was was that you know a whole bunch of folks feel a sense of imposter syndrome around mm -hmm. the concept of being a leadership educator or and the concept of being an educator in general, especially when you're new to the field, right? Um, and that. Uh, that sense of, I'm not sure I know what I'm doing. So I probably shouldn't be saying I am a leadership educator. Mm -hmm. um, and where do we find a transition in that claiming space? So Ashford and LaRue talk about uh, claiming a leader identity, but we can also think about claiming a leadership educator identity. And mm -hmm. in that moment, um, I, I agree. I think the the future research that's really exciting too is, yes, when do we shift into that space? How do we overcome the, the imposter phenomenon that comes up for lots of different professional capacities? And I that's where I see a direct link is 
it's foundational training, right? And that's what the Jonathan's talking about in our most recent study. It's in our past work too, is that, I mean, this isn't um, rocket science. It's we should train people how to do stuff and then they'll feel more confident to do it. And then they'll be able to claim doing that. Um, and it, I don't know, it feels silly to me that we don't have that as an established opportunity for folks here in this field. Yeah, I'm, I'm so with you both on that. It makes me think too about even just what you all brought up in the realization moment of your study participants, like during your interviews where they were like, well, shoot, maybe we should be providing some sort of a course or additional training in our, in the context of our grad student affairs, grad prep programs, right. For leadership education work, even in, in that space, it makes me think about as someone who has recently assumed right program coordinator duties for a higher ed student (laughs) affairs graduate program in my head, I think, Well, I mean, I have already identified as a leadership educator, but I can see how faculty in those roles in our programs are probably thinking, well, I don't even know what that is. So how am I supposed to put in a course about it? Or who do I even find to teach a course like that? Because I certainly couldn't do it. Like leadership knowledge theory frameworks is not is not in most folks wheelhouses. It's Mm -hmm. not what they're they were trained on. It's not what their research is in. Right. And so then you start to think about how does that connect then to the to the the history of our grad prep programs, relationships with practitioners on campus who might be doing the work and the role that they or they do not play informally in our graduate preparation programs. Like there are just so many ways you could take this. Um, And at the end of the day, I think about I think you're you're right, Trisha. It does come back to who who even feels like it's okay for them to even play in that space. Mm -hmm. And how do we start to certainly demystify that and and help people kind of claim that aspect of the professional identity, but at the same time, being thoughtful about making sure that while they're claiming it, they're also being trained and prepared in it. That's mm-hmm. the balance. Melissa, that's exactly where my brain went. I was talking with a student affairs educator the other day that was like, leadership seems to like like it's it felt unattainable for them. They were like, it, it's mystical. Like, I don't understand it. It feels like it lives in this kind of like big gray space I just can't wrap my head around like what you all are talking about like it seems so important but it it did and I had this moment where I'm like maybe our next step is just demystifying like what the heck we're doing right for lack of a better word like what is it that we're doing and as a field that's so grounded in practitioner work right like we're meant to be serving folks that are doing boots on the ground for lack of a better word educating and thinking about how many times people are doing leadership education training development and not calling it that or not knowing it's that and then what responsibility is it of theirs to then be responsible and knowing what they're teaching right like they're not going into communications you know webinars or uh, professional development series without looking up something about you know helpful communication tips but if we're just throwing leadership onto things but then saying like well I don't really understand it so we'll just call it this and and it is what it is or we've had this curriculum for 10 years so we're just like keeping it and I'm not going to keep up to date, um, at what point is that then irresponsible to our practice to not make sure, even if we don't want to call each other leadership educators yet, if that's too nervous and, and we're too scared to go for the full title, at least still being able to know. And the skills that I learned as someone who did go through a master's course in leadership education and having an identity development there of the skills you just learned of even how to like look for what you need, right? Like what is out there? I was talking to someone the other day who didn't realize that many, most of Joel's work is, is open access, right? Like you, you can find articles online for free um, and just knowing what resources are out there. But we have folks that are doing leadership education work who don't even know where to look 
right? They don't know Jonathan's work. They don't know that Trisha has an entire dissertation that talks about this work, right? And how we can do this in master's programs. And they just don't know where to find resources because it's become so mystified and like, you know, there's people that do it, right? They go to the LEIs and the LESs and these conferences and they all know each other. Um, and how do we kind of do that work? Yeah. I, I know we may be close on time, but I also, what you were talking about, Brittany, also relates to who feels like leadership education is a path that is available to them mm-hmm. and what leader, the identity piece of, of who has been leadership education currently and in the past. And that is a challenge too, right? We need to be mentoring and sponsoring um, people of color, LBGTQ folks, um, because right now we are highly a very white and woman, cisgender woman representation. Um, and I mean, that's true in this room right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need to be thinking about as we're doing this preparation piece and um, we have folks that are thinking about what they want to be doing in their student affairs work, can we do that demystifying in relationship to knowing that there's systematic as- access issues about um even how, how people think about the word leadership and then also what that means for leadership education and identity work. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a big one that I think about a lot, Trisha. Um, you had mentioned earlier the connection between the the social justice, equity, and access work that is critical and foundational to the student affairs profession right now and how it is so from our perspective as people that do leadership education work all the time, we know that those values and philosophies are deeply embedded in the leadership ed work that we do as well. However, to the greater kind of picture of higher ed and student affairs kind of the, to the profession, that term leadership and the idea of training leaders or preparing leaders comes with it a lot of historical baggage around exclusion, who has access to leadership roles, kind of these like outdated notions of only people with certain traits or characteristics can be leaders. And that's all laced with with issues around identity and access and power and privilege. We can run through the the list of words that that come Mm -hmm. up when we think about that discrepancy, right? Um, And so to, to me, some of this challenge is how do we as leadership educators start to communicate to our colleagues that this is actually how we're talking about leadership in our world. And this is, and it aligns actually quite well with what you're trying to do in the bigger field of student affairs and higher ed. It connects quite well to what you're trying to do around training folks to be equity and justice-minded educators, because mm-hmm. that's how we're talking about leadership in our in our subfield. Mm-hmm. And so the, there's an alignment there that I feel like it's like our colleagues don't quite realize yet because we haven't done a good job of talking about it. And again, because our grad prep programs aren't talking about leadership in that way either. I think about with how many of our programs, you know, have a foundational like assessment course, right? Because they think even even if you're not the assessment person at your institution, you will use assessment in every functional area you use, right? At all levels of your career and thinking about the ways that we can frame leadership education as the same thing, right? Like if you are in orientation, you are doing leadership education. If you are in mm-hmm. an enrollment management office, you are doing leadership education. If you are in admissions, you are doing some level of leadership education, training and development. And I think that is where I think the programs that do have those courses are starting to shift their mindsets to that, 
right. And I think some really good folks like both of you have really started to change the conversation around. Again, this is not just for people who want to be the leadership coordinator at their institution, right? That's not what this is meant to be. But I think that is where I see the tide shifting in conversation is that this is not just for people to go into one functional area, because then we understand why people are not doing the program, right? Because they can't have a course for every single functional area people want to go into, but that's not exactly what we're, but this is getting at, right? I think that's going to translate well into our last question for you all. And I think we've, we've probably hit on, on many of those things, but I think it'll be helpful for listeners. And I think in that you're in the analysis of your study, but also in just the work that you both have done around this and the conversations you have, um, what's your hope for the future of training and preparation of leadership educators? What do we need to be thinking about? Where should things be going? Um, where's your data and your conversations taking us for the future of this work? I'm coming off of uh, two different regional NASPA conferences. And so I've got a series of recommendations that I had in my uh, sessions. And so one is I really believe that every program should offer a leadership course, if not a leadership educator course, as a required course. Mm -hmm. I think those courses should focus on praxis, not just practice, the integration of theory into mm. practice. I think that leadership scholars should craft and teach the course or co-craft and co-teach the course. Many of these courses, uh, interestingly, are taught by institutional leaders, positional leaders, mm. the president or the VPSA, um, or, and no shade on directors of student activities, but like the leadership people on campus Mm -hmm. teach that leadership course, even though they may not, probably not, potentially not have that knowledge to support that, the learning that needs to happen in that course. The fourth recommendation is, I think that these courses should include training and facilitation skills. That's not something that student affairs educators receive. Uh, and as we facilitate trainings and workshops and conferences and retreats and all of the things, uh, we need to to recognize how to facilitate effectively with hands-on immersive experiential learning and reflective dialogue. And then I think there needs to be a revision to the ACPA and NASPA leadership competency to include leadership education or a separate competency devoted specifically to leadership education. And then I guess as a bonus, uh, I think it would be really healthy for those who are invested in this work, so the listeners of this podcast, uh, <laughs> for us to have some kind of symposium to really dig in and provide a thinking space and a deliberate action space where we can come from that gathering, that symposium, that work, and have a position statement where, where we describe how important leadership education is and why the field needs to move in the direction of these recommendations and others. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was I was cheering in the background and ditto uh, all of the things Jonathan said, and we'll only just weave in a couple of additions, which is what what Mel was hitting on too. Of we we already have links in what is in student affairs curriculum, and so how can we better articulate that? For example, the the DEI and social justice preparation that is happening that needs to be its its own course. How, but that is weaving into what we believe leadership education training needs to be um, and how that aligns with what Jonathan's talking about, that people need to be trained as facilitators, a, a, a level of skill set to be prepared to talk about 
leadership education in relationship to social justice and equity issues requires a deep level of training and practice. And that opportunity in, in a space, because that's the point of graduate pr- level preparation, right, is, mm-hmm. is that you get to practice and then you get feedback. Um that needs to be a part of what Jonathan's talking about in this curriculum. Like we need to to better articulate how those things are interwoven together and then give that foundation for folks to be practicing it because they're being asked to do it whenever they go out into their jobs. And I think it's a disservice both to the professionals and to the students we're trying to support if we don't. Definitely. I think, yeah, I you all are leaving me with so many nuggets and I'm feeling so energized by our conversation, but thinking about that leadership education has been so adamant on the theory to practice the theory framework. And I know that it's not exclusive to to leadership work, right? That it's not something that we crafted and made up and, and are exclusively owning, but thinking about student affairs also is theory to practice the theory, but maybe not in the same ways. And I think leadership gives the language to be in this place of in, in thinking about the creative energy we get to have. And when we're in scholarly conversations like this one, right, I'm teaching a winter course on leadership education prep, and I can bring these things directly to practice and then come back to you both and say, like, here's things I'm learning or hearing from students about what they need or what they're not getting in other spaces and the ways that we can co-create together directly from praxis, like Jonathan was saying, I think is is really powerful. And and like Jonathan's saying, I think it's a conversation that we certainly need to be having on a larger scale within our field. Um, and I think a lot of us have these one-on-one conversations at conferences like you two did many moons ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ways that we can do it on a larger scale, I think is so would be powerful. I'm just reflecting so much on how I appreciate the work that y'all are doing. Yes. I'm remembering, I'm actually remembering a conversation. I think it was the 2018 Leadership Educators Institute, actually, where we were like, the two of us were there. I think Natasha Chapman was in the room. Dan Jenkins might have been there. We were, we like hung out after the end of some session and we're chatting about this issue about grad prep programs. Trisha, it might have been after a presentation you yeah. did or something. Probably, like that. yeah. Probably your <laughs> dissertation work. Hopefully. Right, absolutely. <laughs> but I'm thinking about like sitting in that room where those conversations happened. And it's so grateful that we have this community that's advocating for centering leadership education work in our grad prep programs for student affairs. And at the same time, also reflecting on like, it, gosh, I wish that like the rich space where we like were able to talk about it wasn't because we all decided to stay after a presentation some, at some mm-hmm. point, right? That we were having these conversations more explicitly, explicitly, which I think circles back, Jonathan, to exactly what you had said were your hopes for this, right? That that these these aren't conversations that are only happening between the small community of people in these informal spaces, but that our professional associations are stepping up and mm-hmm. are and are formally acknowledging the role that leadership education plays in capacity building of our future higher ed and student affairs practitioners. A full stop. Mm-hmm. Like it is it is central to this work. And the fact that we haven't that we've ignored it in this way and not formalized it is incredibly problematic. On that note, as we go ahead and close out, I do want to say, especially because you all have talked about the study and previous studies, where can people that want to know more, say I'm a program coordinator of a hired program and I am excited about what you all are saying, where should I be looking? Where should I be reading? Where can I hear your voices more? Um, can you just tell us some places that folks can go for more resources, especially because this is such a like a charged conversation, right? Of like, there are things that people can and should be doing. Where should they be looking to to you all and other people on more resources? Jonathan, you want to jump in first? Because I feel like you're, yeah. Definitely. So uh, 
to find details on the original study from 2020, there's an article published by me and Joseph Guvinderin in the Journal of Student Affairs Research and Practice, JSARP. Um, and I think it's, I forget what the title is, but something about leadership education and our student affairs prep programs. Uh, we will be publishing uh, in student affairs journals and leadership journals as we dive into this research. And so be looking out for, for our names on articles. And then hopefully in the next round of regional NASPA conferences and ACPA conferences and, and all of the conferences, because um, <laughs> we really want to share what this data is highlighting. And then I will also offer, um, I I wrote a book to fill this gap for leadership educators and it's called Preparing Leadership Educators. Uh, and so I include dozens and dozens and dozens of leadership theories and leadership practices to provide that foundational knowledge. I also include training and facilitation practices and a method to facilitate high impact, high engagement and high enjoyment trainings. And then as a way to make it accessible for every single theory and practice, over 45 of them, I have an experiential activity and reflective dialogue questions so that you can bring to life communication or emotional intelligence or cultural humility or whatever that practice is or servant leadership or adaptive leadership or transformational leadership or whatever that theory is so that your participants, your students can really live into practice experiment during that training, uh, during that workshop that you facilitate as a leadership educator. So you can look at preparing leadership educators on Amazon or leadership trainer. It's a nonprofit that I founded that focuses on training and facilitation skills. And we're at leadershiptrainer.org. Uh, the other spaces that, that came to mind for me is that it kind of depends on if you're trying to build out your own leadership educator course for, for your curriculum versus if you're wanting to join our conversation about pushing this, this um, work um, so that we're making change. So if you're excited about the, you want to build this out in your curriculum, in addition to Jonathan's book, I think a, a grounding book that we all really appreciate uh, is the role of leadership educators transforming learning from um, Kathy Guthrie and Dan Jenkins. Uh, and it's just a really lovely grounding piece of mm -hmm. kind of introduction to what this work is um, and what you can be doing. Um, and then as far as uh, if you want to join our conversation, um, a lot of the different uh, uh, scholarly work that we talked about, there there's not a ton of scholarship. That's part of the reason we're doing this is because there's mm -hmm. not a lot of scholarship on this work. Um, but also, if you want to come talk to us about this, please let us know, because um, we, we are a small but mighty group that I think is really pushing this conversation. Um, and yeah, I, we would love to have opportunity to expand that that group because that will allow us to get our, our message out in a larger way. I will also shamelessly plug Trisha's dissertation, which I have revisited many times for implications <laughs> and recommendations for practice and um, just where people should be looking and seeing, especially from a qualitative lens of just hearing from students what they needed, right, and, and wanted and, and translating it to their own practice, I think is really is important too. Thank you all for joining us. This was amazing. I feel like it's so energized and I feel like my, my call to action of like, what, what should I be doing to continue up? Okay, and Melissa and I talk about this all the time and our work of what we can be doing, um, touching grad programs, but teaching undergrads and kind of being in the middle of both. So no, I, appreciate I have it. a note to reach out to both of you too, about like ways that NCLP can support you all in this too. Cause I think 
Jonathan, you said the word symposium and we have one of those. So we, yeah. we leadership should... educator symposium <laughs> in right. December. Wait, come to Tampa. <laughs> see, this is great. This is what podcasts do, right? They provide so much great insight for all of our listeners, certainly, but also help those of us kind of deepen the work of advocating and progressing this field, you know, make better connections and move it forward too. So thank you all yeah. for being a part of this. We so appreciate it. Thank yes. you. Yeah. Thank you all so much. I'll tell you what, I am amped up. <laughs> That's exactly it. Especially as, and I know you identify with this too, and I think there are others maybe listening who who do as well that um I feel like my entire perfect my entire professional career, I've had like one foot in on like the general kind of higher ed student mm-hmm. affairs professional world, and then the other foot. Um, where maybe I put a little more weight is in the leadership education and leadership study space and walking, like kind of walking along that line is tough. And mm-hmm. the longer that I, the, at this stage in my career where I'm doing, a, where I'm maybe a little more focusing on the higher ed student affairs grad prep piece of that, of that portfolio, um, gosh, like I am energized to like, this is like your affirmation episode (laughs) like all the things all the things intersect totally totally. yeah when I think we talk about this all the time because you and I both have PhDs in higher ed but did most of our teaching during that time and our research and our writing on leadership education within student affairs right mostly within that scope of student affairs and then have done this like I think it's like a beautiful volley but also attention of both of how do we do both of these well like when we both were on job market post PhD is like how do we talk about that we sit at this beautiful intersection of both but also and like and our interest flux and that we need the the conversation is critical at the intersections of both but it's not always seen as um things that should hold hands right like the holding hands of the both and of both of them so yeah so affirming and I think we can peel back the curtain we talked to them a little bit before they signed off of um making space at conferences to have conversations like this because we are so energized by it. So we will make sure on the podcast we share um, if we do informal lunch meetups or things too that folks might want to join conversation with us too of of just, yeah. And really, again, just affirming of um, why this work is so important. Yeah, absolutely. We've got exciting episodes coming up too. We did a lot of scheduling the last two weeks for, <laughs> for some forthcoming episodes. So we've got some really exciting um, and talking about, I think, you know, kind of these guiding documents or guiding principles. Um, our next episode is on the ILA guiding principles, which I think will be really fascinating to hear kind of at an international scope. Yeah. How are we talking about leadership programs and like what should be our principles around guiding um, leadership education? So I think it'll be fascinating to hear from those folks after this conversation around like at the international level, at this really high level operating, um, yeah. what are they doing to conceptualize principles of leadership? Yeah. I would say what's interesting about that one with the little asterisks that folks listening can look forward to is that, um, spoiler alert, that the people who are advocating for this kind of inter- internationally, right, leadership education guidelines for our work, even, you know, within and outside of higher ed and student affairs, the people that are pushing that, guess what? They come from a higher ed student affairs background. You're so As right. Educators, y'all, we are educators and we need, and the mm-hmm. educators are the ones that are are, do, are, are understanding the the deep value of of this work and why we need to be focusing more on it. Um, and so I just I love that for a for a I guess a interdisciplinary initiative that it's the it's the educators and it's the student affairs educators who are mm-hmm. pushing it. 
I think I also had this moment during this episode that you're saying now as, as I hear it too, of, as I've talked to some folks that are newer in the field or finding our field or potentially master's programs things too, that listen to the podcast, I'm hoping that they find, especially this season with the context really affirming in like the spaces and entryways and that it is kind of messy, but in beautiful ways, as Kathy would say, and um, thinking about that, the complexity of it, but I'm hoping that they're finding community and the folks that we're trying to bring together and even though the episodes do kind of stand alone um that there's this weaving that we all are feeling so called to do good work um for ourselves for the field for our community for students for for all of it so i'm feeling excited and energized and want to take on new projects like every episode i'm like what what else can we be doing i know i know we need more projects i have writing deadlines i needed here too so let me we gotta wrap those up and then we'll, we'll get some new projects going okay see you in a couple weeks we also hope that you'll join the national clearinghouse for leadership programs and our leadership educator friends from around the country and the world at this year's leadership educator symposium december 13th through 15th 2023 at the university of tampa our topic this year is liberatory learning and leadership education exploring the philosophy and practice of co-construction Find out more and register now at nclp.umd.edu forward slash programs.